Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah.
for them to fall short last year in the Super Bowl over a controversial defensive call. You, you guys know how the story goes. You know how the story goes. Sports City, I got a lot to get into today. This is going to be a jam-packed show. Um, the crazy part about this is I'm apologizing now because I'm trying to squeeze in as much as I can over one filled weekend. This, this weekend was filled of sports, everything you could think of all across the board. I do have Mike in the building, my co-host for the morning. Mr. Harvey, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Man, I'm blessed and highly favored. And like you said, we got a lot to cook up. Okay, well, I'm going to get right into it. So the first thing first, Sports City, we're going to go on a roller coaster ride. And, and uh, just like I said, it, it's, uh, you know, spooky season. The second bird month going crazy. But I, I got to go here. Um, a sport that I love, I grew up watching all my life, um, disappointed me. And... I want to say 2023. I want to say probably the last 18 years has been a lot of controversy behind this sport, and not just this sport specifically. I'll say combat together because UFC has their funny judgment as well, and I'm talking about the science of boxing and. Um, this was a match that I was actually scared of because I actually like Francis Ngannou, but I respect the hell out of Tyson Fury. I am, I was a big, I can't, I am a fan of Tyson Fury, especially when he fought Klitschko because Klitschko was on a run where nobody could beat him. And I was like, well, this guy's tall enough to compete with Klitschko and he ended up beating Klitschko soundly. And um, the judges judged that right. But you know, year in and year out, <clears throat> I want to see from like 2005 till now, even though there's probably been some more controversy in years before, um, that there's been judgment or rulings where you look at the TV screen, you look at your ceiling, you look around, you look at other people's faces to see if you're not the only one that felt differently about what the judges saw. Um I am going to say this here and now. Those judges saved Tyson Fury's record. I don't want to say his career because, of course, this guy is still a tough talent and six foot nine. You gotta you gotta box the heck out of this guy. This guy's awesome with his reach. But for what Francis Ngannou did, uh, going toe to toe with him and actually avoiding what Tyson Fury is good at. Tyson Fury likes to keep additional weight on him. So he could lean on people to tire him out and then just throw his, his lengthy jabs and power shots that way and wear people down. But Francis Ngannou was built like a tank, and it was like, okay, I'm used to MMA, so that's not working for you. And um, he actually did a good job punching him with every shot that he threw, especially um, in the third. He knocked him down, and it looked like he was ready. to. He had all of it planned out to get rid of Tyson Fury. Every shot that he connected with on Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury made the face like, whoa, like this guy has power behind it. And it's a split decision where you could feel like it was, the card was pushed. Ten, uh, ten round fight, so on and so forth. Um, Tyson Fury is one of the best heavyweights ever. 
but he lost that fight, and um, the whole fighting community is up in arms, even including Tyson Fury's father. Tyson Fury's father was the one that was the biggest advocate for Tyson Fury and talking junk after the fight, and now, like, not specifically directly after the fight, but now he's, like, conceding to what Francis Ngannou did in that ring. So it's like these people know he lost. The crazy part is, is now what does the rematch look like if they're going to have one? And you know Tyson Fury's going to be ready more than ever, and then he's going to end up winning this right up against Francis Ngannou. I feel bad because he got robbed, and over the course of the years through many of fights that we saw that you scratch your head on the outcome, it's like, what is going on? How much did they pay these judges? What I'm baffled at the end of the day. Um but Mike, your thoughts on the Fury and Gano fight and uh respect to what Ngano was able to do in this ring as an MMA fighter. Well my respect to him, I mean first of all, the one thing that we knew coming in was that Ngano had power. And so the question was could you know Tyson Fury just outbox him because Ngano had actually had, you know, sanctioned boxing matches. And Ghana made it hard for him uh, because he didn't come forward. He didn't, you know, traditionally come forward like you see a lot of boxers do. He kind of really waited back on him. And so, you know, that really threw Fury for a loop, and he, he sort of struggled with it. And, you know, the fact that he could punch came to fruition with that knockdown. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's all about the almighty dollars. I mean, to me, the the fight with and Drusik, uh, that's supposed to be for the undisputed heavyweight title. Uh, you know, to me, Fury's odds just really went down in that fight. But at the end of the day, you know, the the idea walking in was that Ngannou had a lot to gain and really nothing to lose. And Fury was really putting a lot on the line because of that uh, fight that he's supposed to fight in a couple months or whenever it's going to happen now. We'll see because I think he took a little bit more of a, a beating than he anticipated um, last night. It takes some of the shine off that bout, but, you know, the the controversial decision allows that fight to still happen and then also set up, sets up the possibility of another rematch between these two and gives them the ability to run it back. So, I mean, listen, if Fury were to drop that fight against uh, Brusick, then, you know, he's still got another money fighting in Ghana. That's about the only thing he gained out of this. But it's definitely questionable, uh, the decision for sure. And at the end of the day, I think that uh, boxing didn't want to shoot itself in the foot, but it does scream of collusion. And and you're talking about Usyk, right, Alexander? You're talking about Alexander Usyk, right? Yeah, Alexander Usyk. I think I called him Andrew Usyk. But, yeah, Alexander Usyk, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I was like, I'm trying to figure out the heavyweight that you're talking about. I was like, I'm, okay, but Usyk, yeah. that's a whole that's a whole other <laughs> box of ticks, tacks, and all of that other stuff. Like, like uh, the way Ngannou brought the fight to Fury – Youth is the only thing that bothers me in this fight because I love Usyk's style. Usyk has power, but he's shorter. Like, and he's not that much shorter, but he's shorter than and Ganu and Fury. That's what makes it difficult. That's what uh, 
Tyson wins a lot of his bouts off, but his length and his height is what, you know, is staggering to a lot of people, even though Francis wasn't that much shorter than him. So that's what made it good for this fight. But Usyk has power that has been getting rid of everybody, even the guys that have been taller than him uh, with Andy Joshua, everything. So it's like uh, Tyson could try to duck Usyk if he wants to, but um, it's tough because Tyson Fury was trying to walk away from the game. You know what I'm saying? He tried to walk away from the game and then he got this bout like, like uh almost like I hate to be funny, Sports City, but it was kinda like his uh Ivan Draco Apollo Creed fight. Like this supposed to be an exhibition and, and Draco came in here and beat you up. You know what I'm saying? And and this this wasn't supposed yeah, to happen this way. Like Rocky's supposed to throw the towel in, you know, so now now it's like you think like, yeah, oh we, we see what you bought. And and power shots do get to you if they get home. You could get your belt rung. You've been dropped before, and it ain't just Francis that Francis that dropped you. Deontay dropped you too, and you were way better than Deontay. So there's a blueprint to beat Fury. It's just that you got to be able to stick to the script and do not let him lean on you. That that is the one thing that wears people down is that he's six nine and like a good two seventy two eighty, and that that that's a lot of weight to carry around in a fight uh, for him and for others. Sure. So. This is supposed to be a tune-up for that, right? Like, uh, Usyk is next, and Fury even said after the fight that that was his next fight, but this is supposed to be a tune-up for that. But you didn't tune up very well. That, that's all I'm saying. And I think the rest of the world is going to look for the rematch. I, I don't think they're going to hurry up and watch the Usyk thing unless unless Usyk makes it a big deal to have that fight happen because everybody wants to see this fight go down. And it seems like everybody's ducking Usyk until they fight him, and then he wins, and it's like, well... What happened? Why did this fight take so long to materialize? So, but that's what I had to start there. Francis Ngannou, I tip my hat to you. Good job. And the way that you, I, I don't even want to sound like this, but I got to. The way that you gracefully lost in the ring, like, like didn't, I mean, of course you're mad about the loss, but like could have went crazy, started pushing people around. Because literally when you watch the judgment and, and they're saying the scores, the the ref is standing next to Tyson Fury. He's nowhere near Francis Ngannou. It's like it was already set up. Like I, I feel like that. I feel like that's what it is. It's bad. It's bad. It really is bad. If you if you watch the decision again, watch how the ref ain't nowhere near Francis Ngannou. He is standing next to Fury the whole time. Like like this was gonna go down regardless whether you guys like it or not. Um, I, I had to Sports City. Um. Much as I love boxing, I, I I woke up to Mike Tyson, Trevor Burbick. That that's what the youngest heavyweight ever throwing people around. It was clear wins, you know, like situations like that where they didn't leave it to the judges. But you see that controversy that's always around, and especially when I started going through the '80s, it was the the Hagler Leonard decision, and everybody's like, "Well, Hagler beat the crap out of Leonard, but Leonard had that barrage." And it, it's always something funny about the judges, but. That's just the history of the sport. I, I I do love boxing. I ain't gonna lie, but the judges. I I don't know how they make the system better or clean this up. But there's there's a there's an act behind the machine. There there is something behind that machine. A period. It it more than a million dollars. I know that. Okay, Sports City. Now it's time to get to the highs of this roller coaster that I'm talking about. Because I feel like that was a low, even though that was a a spectacular fight. 
you know, to see some exhibition. I guess I don't know if that's an exhibition or a fight, but I, you know what I mean. But um, here go the fireworks. I hope you guys are ready. And it's called the Fall Classic, aka the World Series. Um, here goes another tipping of the hat, and I wish Brian Hughes was here because I got to give him his doggone credit. I got to. Um, the series is tied at one-one. Texas at least held one at home in that first game. Um, Adolis Garcia is a madmare monster. Um, I don't know why people pitching to him. I don't know why Seager saved the day to tie that thing up to help him extend that game one. And, you know, Garcia hits the, the walk-off. Game two comes around, and these Diamondbacks are not playing around in the heart of Texas. They blew out the Rangers, not not just beat them. Like, they look like they want this World Series. Forget just we're here. Um, the Diamondbacks are trying to take this thing home like 2001, and um, I don't like to be a silent sport. I'm trying to, like, trying to balance myself out for a city because it's just so electric of a sports season right now. The bird month, I'm telling you, it's the bird month, and it's, it brings the best out of me. Um, I remember 2001 because you guys know I don't like the Yankees. I know. But the Yankees were steaming through everybody. Nobody could stop the Yankees. And it was the Diamondbacks left. And for the Diamondbacks to pull that out and beat them in 2001, I still remember Gonzalez hitting that shot at the middle and uh, just jumping around first baseline, and they won. I'm so happy for the Diamondbacks in that year. Now looking at them right now, especially the way the year closed, the Diamondbacks were up and down, up and down, going into September. And then next thing you know, it's like you got to watch a team when they're hot. And they weren't really hot, but they did enough to get into the playoffs. Now that they are in the playoffs, they are – and this is this is the best setup that I think I've ever seen for the World Series because Texas had the, the best record coming out of the AL going into the World Series. Like, they were monster matching everybody. And the Diamondbacks had murderous role, beating the Dodgers, the Phillies. Every, they beating up on everybody. So it's like, yeah, we, we prepared too. So – this is one of the best World Series I've seen put together. And I, I know I may be jumping the gun, but I'm going to say this right now because i seen somebody write this and read it the other day. The Diamondbacks are probably the best base runners in World Series history. They know how to attack the bases and score. And, Carol, if if, uh, if the Diamondbacks win this, it, it's either between Marte or Carroll, but Carroll I feel like is the influencer of all of this. He's been hitting well. He gets on the base. He's getting more than just one base. He'll get the second or third if he can. Like, this is awesome baseball. I, I can't I can't lie. I can't. Um, Texas has work to do on the road. They do have the capability to go into Arizona and get one, but I know Arizona's going to be lit like fire uh, to try and get a championship because you got to think the Suns were just there two years ago and lost and they don't really get you know that championship caliber team there so you know they're going to be up there lit just like 2001 where nobody expected them to knock off the powerhouse bombers and they did it if they can pull this off and defend home in arizona this puts so much pressure on the rangers right now but everything's clicking uh the rangers got max scherzer going this is one electric world series i can't lie uh, but after game two, they're split 1-1. One, one. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on how this is going down? So it's an interesting contrast in styles. 
Uh, right. Like the, to me, the Diamondbacks are the poster child for uh, these new rule changes, right? Like they set a record for they've gone, they went five postseason games with at least four stolen bases. When these guys get on the base, like you said, they're, they're pushing the envelope. They're taking the extra bases. They're sometimes sacrificing. Uh, you know, last night they had the one solo home run from uh, Gabriel Moreno to put them on the board. Uh, you know, to break the ice and go up one nothing. But everything else they did last night was sort of small ball, uh, make contact, get them in. This team had 16 hits last night and only struck out twice. Uh, so at, at the end of the day. Even though in the majority of the games that have been played so far this postseason, the team that is out home and the other one has won, uh, the Diamondbacks are showing you that there's another way to do it. You know, we talked about a few times going into this season that some team is going to try to raise havoc, uh, you know, cause a lot of problems for people on the bases and put pressure on defenses. Uh, You know, we haven't seen a team this active all over the bases really. Uh, I mean, you got to go back to probably, you know, those Cardinal teams in the <laughs> you know, mid to late 80s as far as just uh, pushing the envelope there. But the rules now, uh, you know, allow for that. When you the bases are bigger, you can only throw over a certain number of times or whatever. The, the whole idea of, of these rule changes was to try to promote more action and not just the all or nothing home run or strikeout type game. And the Diamondbacks uh, executed it to perfection uh, yesterday. The Rangers, you know, you mentioned Adolis Garcia and Corey Seager with some big hits in game one. To me, the Diamondbacks have to be leaving Texas feeling really good about themselves. They won game two big. Uh, they did everything except for close the deal in game one, but they led the majority of the way, so they really kind of had control of the series. And if you go in and get a game on the road, in a series, then you feel pretty good moving forward. Now, once again, you know, this Texas team has had their back against the wall uh, plenty in the playoffs. We talked about it, you know, last Sunday when Altuve kind of broke their heart into game five. And how did they respond? They went into Houston and won two straight. So um, I feel like for me, uh, if if you're the Rangers, if you can get out of it against Kelly and against uh, Gallon, if you get out of there with one of the two, uh, you feel pretty good with the way that they've played on the road, but uh, they definitely have to bounce back. I mean, a good point of last night, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a loss. It's one loss regardless of whether it's by one run or ten. But to me, TP, the big X factor tomorrow night. You mentioned Scherzer pitching. Uh, he looked a little better last time out than he did the previous time, but he is not pitched to like a Max Scherzer standard. And he's matching up against the kid, Brandon Fault, who pitched really well in the Philly series and is, you know, shown flashes in this postseason, but kind of underachieved in his first year in the major league. So to me, those are kind of both, you know, coming in. I look at those as sort of X factors in this series and, and how they match up. And then these teams may be going with a bullpen game again four. So there's a lot to still be decided. But I love the contrast of styles. I like that we have two teams that, you know, haven't been there in a while. And the casual baseball fan is getting introduced to 
uh, you know, some new players and some new stars. And I, I think it's good for the game. It's a fun World Series and a fun matchup. Can I start some trouble with you, Michael, or no? Leave you alone? Should I leave you alone or start some trouble with you? No, nah, go ahead. Let's do it. We might as well. Who do you favor to win this series? You know, coming into the series, I said the Rangers. Uh, and I still kind of feel that way because of the depth of that lineup, but uh, I'm teetering right now after after what I saw <laughs> with the Diamondbacks being able to execute last night. I'm definitely teetering. What? Game three could really what? change my mind. I'm kind of on the fence right now. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my God. So Diamondbacks came out there and started smacking stuff around. It's like, well, hold on. Hold on. And, um... The bad part about it, I, I love the way Seager plays. I'm out of turn into a big Garcia fan out of nowhere. It's like Garcia gets up there, you want to see him do well, and you know, I, I just always have that, uh, you know, that story feeling, like when people come from another country and try to make the best living they can, and they come out and have the superstar moment, and Garcia turned into that. Like I bet you he can't walk into no store in Texas. Period. They they know him everywhere out there, and um. The Diamondbacks are like, oh yeah, well we got a story out here too, and and we the the underdogs, the underdogs. Nobody believed that we should be here. Nobody, including myself. I'll speak about me. I don't even have to talk about the rest of America or the rest of the world. I thought it was the Dodgers and the Braves. That's how I thought the NL was gonna go. The Diamondbacks said, oh yeah, whoever you put in front of us, we're gonna beat them, and we and we're gonna go to L.A. and knock them off, and we're gonna go into Philly and upset the Phillies, the one of the more raucous crowds in America. We're going to rock them, too. And then went into Texas and put up damn near 10. Damn near 10 runs on them. <laughs> the Diamondbacks are not playing around. You better come and get them early. Forget early because they could score late, too. I, it, it, this, is one of, this is one awesome World Series that they put together. 1-1, one, one, even, going into Arizona. Is this anybody's series still? I, I know it favors Arizona because now they have home field advantage, but the Raiders have been doing their work, too. The Rangers have been doing their work too, but um, this this is deep water for me. For for me, I think Arizona's they they got to go in and steal the deal. They can't go up in there playing lack of days ago. They got to keep their foot on the gas and do as best as they can. They they have to. They have to. The, the crazy thing about this is too. I mean, you think about it. They go back to Arizona. They win the first two, square the series, and then Philly wins Game Five, and it's like okay, order's been restored. Now we're going back home, and this Phillies team is, you know, documented so good at home. And I'm telling you, that Diamondbacks team went into Philadelphia and basically uh, – they basically shut those guys up. Like, that that mm-hmm. whole feel in that stadium over the, the course of those next two games. I mean, Philly was on their heels from the beginning of both of those games. The Diamondbacks just went in there. That Listen, they kicked down the door. They took the big piece of chicken, and they dared them to say something about it. Uh, it, it was incredible to me because the way Philly was playing at home, you know, I, I didn't see them, you know, dropping two games at home. I don't know, maybe one, but I didn't see them dropping two games at the end of that series. And, and real quick, TP, I, I think what we're seeing is you look at how hot those Phillies bats were. Uh in their wild card series and then against the Braves. And 
the Braves kind of cooled them off in the in the last game. They had their chances. They weren't able to execute. I think the Phillies only won three to one or something in that game, uh, and the Braves had their chances. Uh, but sometimes, man, power goes out. You know, we talked about that with the Braves. We talked about the Twins when they hit all the you know the three hundred seven home runs four years ago. Sometimes power goes out, and the Diamondbacks are providing that blueprint, man. Like it's easier to hit singles than it is home runs. And if you can string together a couple hits and really cause trouble on the bases, you know, they said that before in baseball, man. You've heard the expression, speed doesn't go into a slump. And sometimes in, in the postseason, you got to find a way to scratch out runs. That is true. And um, that's the one thing that bothered me about the Twins when you brought that up is uh, the Twins have always been a small ball team all the time. And then next thing you know, Kepler and Polanco, these guys found power, and then all of a sudden, Buckton started slugging. Now everybody started being a home run hitter instead of hitting to get on the bases and, and using the speed. It, everybody I just mentioned, Polanco, Kepler, and Buckton, all these dudes are speed demons, and they don't want to be on the base. They'd rather slug one out, even though I give Polanco a lot of credit because Polanco has turned into a good hitter, power hitter, or hitting for contact to get on the bases. But it, you're right. It takes away from the game where people don't just, hit for contact and try to get on the bases. Instead, they're trying to tattoo a pitcher and make him pay for throwing that fastball, which every pitcher is glued to in the MLB. And and don't you know that's, that's what a lot of these players made it to the league off of, is being able to sit on a fastball. So interesting at the end of the day. But the way that the Diamondbacks are doing it, they have players that you, you don't think are going to come and step up and be the guy. If not, they're doing this together as a tactical team and getting on the bases and producing runs the right way, the old school way. And um, I got to really tip my hat to what the Diamondbacks have been able to do at this point in time. Puts pressure on the, the, the Rangers, and now the Rangers have to fight their way into Arizona, at least get one. They got to at least go to Arizona and get one. If they don't get one in Arizona, I find it hard for them to uh, knock off the Diamondbacks for this. I, I feel like the uh, – the trophy's gonna come back to Arizona after 22 years if if they don't get this done. But I'm not I'm not already you know giving it to the Diamondbacks. I know the Rangers are just as dangerous. Oh, this is this is like the 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 game Clue or the movie Clue. I don't know if people remember that movie in the game back in the day. But you don't know who did it. Like was it the guy with the candlestick or he had the roll for it? It just feels like that, man. And and this is this is just an awesome time in sports. This is, let me tell you that. Okay, Sports City. It is a very interesting time in sports, like I said. The basketball season has kicked off. We are here. Um, I'm enjoying it. I know well, Mike is a Laker fan. Um, interesting enough, in New Orleans, these boys are going crazy. I, I, I don't know if he's been watching them go crazy. Zion, just stay healthy. Just stay healthy. Um, it, it's so many storylines in the NBA. I don't want to get caught up in it, but it's just so happy to see basketball back. Um, if, if Zion and CJ could keep this going, and, and they're very powerful out of the West. Um, looking out East, knowing that the James Harden thing is going on and how they're investigating him, this is going to get more hairy than I could ever think of. Uh, the Sixers were able to pull off a big win the other day up against the Toronto Raptors. But still, yet yeah, it's like what happens with the Harden ordeal. The Sixers are going into the season like this. Um, the Celtics look scary, uh, especially with Porzingis as the, the new addition. You don't know who you're going to stop in Boston. It's funny I said new addition because new addition's from Boston. 
But um, you got Porzingis, Tatum, and uh, Brown, and adding Drew Holiday. They they look spectacular out east. Um, the Celtics are going to be the team to try to stop. They are going to be the team to try to stop out east. Um, and you guys know I don't like celebrating my team, but um, watch out for the Thunder in the West. Watch out for them. Um they got a big game today. They played the Denver Nuggets going up against the champs in their home opener in Oklahoma City. Um, it's tough for me to go with this game because it's like I, I know the Nuggets are going to come out guns are blazing trying to knock us off because we're one of the stories. But um, Chet is the price of admission. <laughs> He's the price of admission. And much of stuff I was talking about him and his size, and that is his problem that, uh, you know, he's he's frail. but this guy's already set a record in OKC already. Uh, seven blocks, uh, the record as a rookie. Seven blocks in his rookie season in one game. The record was Serge Ibaka. And boy, do I remember Serge Ibaka, and I love that because Serge turned into our defense. Serge had a, a game with five. You mean to tell me Chet already got seven in game two? Like, it could only it, it can get better. Let me not, let me not say it can only get better, but it can get better. I'm wondering if he mess around and get a triple double with blocks. And um they the people attack him and he still gets to the ball um electric time in his NBA season to do this as quick as I possibly can because there's a lot to feast off of. Uh Mike, your thoughts quickly off the NBA so I can get into the other stuff and start uh divvying up the show. Yeah, like it's a little rusty, but they found a way to get a win, so that's what matters. Bradley Beal's already missing games for the Suns. Like what I've seen from Denver so far. I love what I've seen out of New Orleans and Oklahoma City. Uh, I'm, you know, Milwaukee's going to be interesting to see, you know, how Dame and, and Giannis put that together. They were up real big, and, you know, Philly got back in it, and they, you know, kind of had to squeak it out the other day. Um, you know, but I agree with what you said about uh, Boston. And, and uh, I mean, and, you know, it's just fun to have. It's just fun to have basketball. You know, again, you know, more nights out of the week we got, you know, we got, uh, you know, games to watch. So, uh, glad it's back and there's, you know, a lot of fun storylines to, to sort of follow as the year unfolds. Yeah, I'm going to do the best that I can to try and feast us off of some more basketball talk, but I know that I, I, I got to address this top 25 <laughs> and I got week eight in front of us as well to, to get our picks and predictions in. But first and foremost, the top 25 in scores and old oh boy, sports city. I, I don't even know how to do this, but I'm going to try my best. Okay. Starting from game or, or ranking one, the Georgia Bulldogs win their matchup in the, the cross state rival up against Florida, 43 to 20. I'm gonna say this here. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk junk. I'm gonna bring karma out of this, and I I have to. Florida proved to me that you could beat Georgia. Period. They got the number so bad. I don't think you guys can hang anymore. This is almost looking like how Ohio State had Michigan's number all from like the year 2000 to like 2017, 18, when Michigan finally turned the corner. Florida, you guys look outmatched. Georgia consistently had your number. And they're going to always out-recruit you. So I wonder when you guys put it together uh, in the SEC to try and deal with Georgia. Georgia is continually winning that matchup. But 43-20, to 20, and this is without Bowers. 
picture of Bowers was there. And the funny part about it is I was like, oh, the score was 7 nothing early, and Florida had a lead. And I was like, okay, they're going to make it a game. It was They had seven for the longest. Florida did not start scoring again until later in the game. Georgia, Georgia dismantled them. The score is way different than what the game implemented at the end of the day. The next matchup is uh, – Ohio State going up against Wisconsin. Ohio State wins their matchup 24-10. to 10. Marvin Harrison Jr. strikes again. Uh, I don't know how they slow this guy down. To me, he's the best receiver in college. He's the best receiver in college. And, and that's saying something because Ohio State does not look good. They do not look impressive. They are winning games barely. But uh, it, it's just because they feed him the ball, and, and it's tough for those defenses to deal with him because of his caliber. The next matchup is Florida State. They knock off Wake Forest, 41 to 16. Washington wins that matchup up against Stanford, 42 to 33. Okay, here we go, Sports City. <laughs> the upset of the day, and boy, am I stunned, shocked, floored, out of my mind. The bird month is spooky. Kansas beats Oklahoma, 38 to 33, in which. Kansas had to score this touchdown late to win the game, and Oklahoma had the ball at the end of the game to try and win it, and um, the ball was basically thrown out of play. But even if it wasn't played, the Kansas guy caught the ball out of bounds, so it would have been like an interception if they were in bounds. But still yet, for Kansas to be unranked and to beat Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's been on fire since the beginning of the season, uh, Brent Venables and that team falls in the middle of Kansas. Texas Cruises beating BYU 35-6 to without Quinn Ewers. Same score goes on in Utah. Oregon beats the crap out of Utah 35-6. to The bad part about this is Utah didn't even look like they came prepared at all. Utah got dismantled. They're going to fall. Interesting enough, I want to see what the committee does. Penn State wins the matchup against Indiana 33-24. to Um even though they won by two scores, it, it wasn't impressive early, but Penn State ended up turning it on late. Uh, another upset. Here we go. Spooky stuff. Arizona, unranked. Knocks off Oregon State, 27-24, in which DJ tried to put it together at the end of the game and score touchdowns late for Arizona, um, excuse me for Oregon State, but it was too little too late in this game where the Wildcats pull off the unthinkable, knocking off the number 11-ranked Oregon State Beavers. Ole Miss wins their matchup against Vanderbilt, 33-7. A crushing blow to Pittsburgh. I don't even know what happened. It doesn't even look like Pittsburgh played. Notre Dame wins this matchup, 58-7, in South Bend up against the Pittsburgh Panthers. I'm stunned that Pittsburgh let it get that nasty. That's an interesting matchup that Pittsburgh got outmatched real bad. Um, Another Here we go. Spooky stuff. Here we go. Happy Halloween, y'all. Georgia Tech knocks off North Carolina 46 to 42 in Atlanta. The crazy part about it is is North Carolina has been doing good, but they've actually lost their last two as of late. They lost to Virginia uh last week and then they lose to Georgia Tech. Both teams unranked and North Carolina still sitting at 17, but I wonder what the committee does after losing two games to unranked teams in the ACC. Louisville pitches a shutout up against Duke 23 to nothing. Um Louisville is causing for concern in the ACC at this point in time. A lot of people overlooked what they were doing at the beginning of the season, and now that they're winning games, they're causing tension throughout the conference. Uh, Air Force wins their game up against Colorado State 30-13. to 
Tennessee knocks off Kentucky 33 to 27 in that cross state rivalry. Uh, watching the fans of Kentucky leave that <laughs> stadium, they were pretty teed off watching that rivalry not go the way that they wanted to in Lexington. Tulane wins their matchup against Rice in a tough one at the end of the game, 30 to 28. Uh, UCLA wins the matchup against Colorado, 28 to 16. People, I feel bad for Dion at this point in time. Uh, they are exposing his defense. Uh, Shador is a great, awesome quarterback. The key to beating Colorado, thin pressure, period. Their offensive line can't block at all, at all. If you're sending a regular 4-3, then he could, they could pick it up. He could do his damage. But if you send an extra blitzer, he's getting sacked. He's get, I feel bad for Shador because he's better than that. He's dropping dime after dime trying to get these guys in the game, and it's just not enough. The I think the Buffaloes are one and five out of their last six. I think that's what the number I saw. I'm feeling bad for Deion because Deion was like, get him now before he start picking it up. But your sons are going to end up leaving, and I wonder if he stays after Shador and Shiloh both leave. And Shiloh did get ejected for a clean hit. They said he was targeting. It's funny how the rules work, and even if your head is near the guy's head, and they didn't even, like, really clash, but it looked like it, they they still kicked Shiloh out on a big hit. Shiloh did like the kid up, but they kicked him out. Um, This is one – I'm going to go in reverse for City. So 25th is James Madison. They were in their matchup up against Old Dominion, 30-27. to James Madison is not playing around. That offense is electric. Please pay attention to what they are able to do. The last one was – uh, the one I wanted to go before this, but he's the 24th rank. The USC Trojans win their matchup up against Cal, 50 to 49. Sports City, I've had enough of Lincoln Riley. I've had enough. Cal is not good at all. They're not. They're not ranked, even though they were home. And I know this is a, a, a conference battle. For Cal to put up 49 against your defense, that is disgusting. And they almost beat you. They try to go for two, and they mess that up. If they got a two-point conversion, then what? Then what? You got to score 50 points to win games? Like, you have to. Like, yeah, 50 points, you should win the game. But it's like you have to score 50 points? Cal had the lead in this game and everything. They made this game convincing enough that they could have beaten USC. I'm tired of it at the end of the day. Um, Caleb Williams, I feel bad for you because regardless of the situation, you're an awesome quarterback. You're probably going to be the top pick or one of the top quarterbacks that goes. But where do USC go after you leave? What do they look like when you get to the league? Like, Lincoln Riley is doing this all because you're around right now. They are going to be bad. They don't have defense at all. Like, you're not preaching defense at all. Like, it's going to really look that bad. Like, I think. I remember, like, I could just go back as far as the 2000s. Like, Clay Matthews, Troy, Palomalu, all of these guys, all of these guys, Cushion, every, everybody came out of USC. You don't have none of those traits there at all. For Cal to put up 49, damn near 50. They were trying to get 51 on y'all. You lucky that he threw the ball out of <laughs> You are lucky they threw the ball out of bounds. Lincoln Riley, you are not escaping this any longer. I am tired of your bull crap. Um, you've been able to be the offensive juggernaut coach, but at the end of the day, it's like you look at the defense like, and we'll score, just let them score, we'll score back. Like, that's not how you ethically teach football, but it's working. But they're 24th in the nation. I wonder if the committee, you know, 
looks out for them, moves them up in the rankings, or leaves them down here in the twenties in the ranking. But I'm I'm floored the way the USC has looked all season, especially after their quarterback won the Heisman last year going into this season, and you know they're falling short because they're in gunfights every single game. Every game is like this. But uh, Mike, your thoughts on the top twenty-five? Yeah, I'll be uh, pretty quick on this. Let me start with the 12s. In uh, the Big 12, you know, TP, I got one question for you. What were you doing at this time in 1997? I was a junior. Yeah, I junior was a in high school? Going, yes, I was a junior in high school. Yeah, I, I was a sophomore in college. That is the last time that Kansas beat Oklahoma. That's how long it's been, 26 years. Um, yeah, as good as Oklahoma looked against Texas, they, they still had to pull that out at the end. But Oklahoma's been playing with their food. They barely escaped against uh, a few other teams in that conference. And uh, national championship teams, uh, for the most part, find a way to put teams away. You know, Georgia struggled with teams, but it's still multiple possessions. But Oklahoma's gotten out with some one-possession wins, um, and it finally came back and bit them uh, this past weekend. It takes some of the shine off that the possible rematch with Texas and Oklahoma, because now you're going to have a one-loss team versus a possible undefeated team. Uh, so that that's the first thing, Oklahoma playing with their food, and it finally came back to bite them. <clears throat> and then the other thing I want to mention on the Big 12 real quick before we move off, there's a lot of talk, you know, we've heard the Central Florida talk. We've heard all these AAC and independent teams talk about how they can do just as well. I've said this for years. It's a different animal getting ready for a Power 5 opponent every week versus just at the end of the year. The four teams that joined the Big 12 this year, uh, what was it, Houston, BYU, Central Florida, and Cincinnati, are a combined uh, – Two and uh, no, let me see. It's uh, it's two and uh, fourteen or four and twelve or something like. It's not good at all. Uh, joining this league now, they got like two combined. They have like two wins out of sixteen conference games. So uh, it, it's not it's not very pretty, and it's it's a different level up getting ready for these teams every week. Uh, now, real quick in the Pac-12, uh, listen, Lincoln Riley's teams are soft. Uh, they lose a game to Utah last week, and he doesn't even let his players talk to the media. And you come out again, you give up 49 to Cal, and I don't know that Cal scored 49 points all year. Uh, but there are some really good teams in this league. Uh, I, that 28-16 uh, UCLA-Colorado uh, score, the game was not as close as the score makes it look. Uh, watching that game. Uh, there were times that it really felt like you, UCLA should be up about 30. They beat Portion, Door Senseless. Uh, you, you said it, they can't block. Um, and then Oregon State had beaten Utah earlier in the year. Their only blemish had been to Washington State. They lose a game to Arizona, and, you know, breaking news talked about the talent uh, from that young quarterback in Arizona. Uh, we saw them get a win there. Uh, good for them. And, you know, just like what I told you about uh, Oklahoma TP. Uh, listen, Washington's starting to do it too. Uh, Washington's been playing with their food as well. They beat Oregon in a close game, but Washington's barely survived a couple weeks now. Stanford catches that fourth down pass. This 
you know, that thing could have turned out completely different. And this is a Stanford team that after coming back against Colorado lost, what, 42-6 to to UCLA uh, in the following game. So I feel like that Washington is going to take a loss uh, pretty soon. Uh, we will see impressed with Oregon bouncing back and really taking care of business against Utah, in which that Utah uh, all-Pac-12 quarterback, you know, is gone for the year. So, you know, they're rolling with a backup, and they got it done last week, but uh, Oregon's just better than, than Utah this year. Uh, in the Big Ten, Penn State almost let uh, that, you know, almost let that Ohio State game beat them twice. I agree with you about Ohio State as far as not necessarily looking impressive, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is a monster. Um, as far in, in the ACC, it's crazy to think that as bad as Pitt looked last night, that's the one team that beat Louisville a couple weeks ago. Uh, but uh, Louisville taking care of business with a, a shutout against a good Duke team. That running back from Louisville is, is really good, actually. Uh, fun to watch. Uh, looking around the ACC, Georgia Tech with a, a nice signature win for them. You know, they got the fluke win against a team that they were uh, not as good as, but <clears throat> now they do win another one. This is what Mac Brown's teams do. Uh, you know, they they at least drop one or two games a season that they shouldn't, and now this is, is two in a row. Uh, now, I, I want to speak really quickly, even though this was uh, not a ranked game. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, they went a whole decade with 12 losses. And they were like 108 and 12 in, in the entire decade with a couple of titles and a couple of runner-up finishes and all that. And he said he couldn't wait to see what the next decade brought. Now you are four and four. You've got a third of the losses that you had in an entire decade in one season. Combine that with your losses last year, you're going to reach that loss total in uh, a little bit more than two seasons now. Uh, things have really dropped off uh, in Clemson, South Carolina. Nebraska got their win, good for them. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. You think it's it's not a lot of action, but there's always a couple games that, that sneak out on you. And I mean, you were right on point about Florida. They're still trying to rebuild, and Georgia has built. So, uh, you know, it'll take some uh, time there. I thought Kentucky. You know, they didn't win the game. They made a better accounting for themselves. They went back and looked at tape to see what things Devin Leary uh, tends to do well, and I feel like opened up the vertical passing game a little bit better for them, but uh, that's still uh, a win that Tennessee needed coming off that loss uh, that loss last week, but as far as the SEC goes, uh, Georgia and maybe Alabama are the only ones that are really going to be you know relevant on the national picture, and I'm good on that, man. Okay, um, you did say something interesting that I do want to challenge. Not even like pushback, but I want to challenge it. You said Washington will lose. They have four games remaining. The next one is in Southern California, followed by Utah, followed by Oregon State, and they end the season up against Washington State Cougars. Who knocks them off? I think out of those four, the most likely, uh, the the two most likely of those four would possibly be Utah or Oregon State, even though Oregon State came off a loss last night. Um, But 
if it's not either one of those, they they'll probably get beat. I think in the rematch in the conference championship game against Oregon. But I, I just don't. This Washington team's not going undefeated to the playoffs. I don't believe. Yeah, he is just being vicious. He is being vicious. Well, there's a Powell on that in that secondary, so I'm rooting for Cuzzo. I'm letting Cuzzo do it. Go ahead, Huskies. Go ahead, do what y'all got to do. Um, because one, I think that USC game would be very challenging, which is uh. Next Saturday, um, and it is in Southern California, especially after this game. I feel like this could be a Vegas setup, and everybody putting their money on Washington, and USC could do it because they got the offense that can score. So that will be interesting enough. Uh, the Utah situation could be a, a trap game because they just lost real bad up against Oregon, and people will probably look at that like, well, Oregon lost to Washington. Like, you know, try to break down systematically how games go. Utah could probably stun them there also, so that's something they got to watch out for. Oregon State, the way that they played last night, especially them losing to Arizona, uh, to be a top 15 ranked team to lose like that, I, it just bothers me how they're not consistent, but they still get their national credit across the board. And Washington State, you you don't know, but they, they do have a, a legit passing attack. But if Washington is in front of them for the state rivalry and at the end of the season, I think the Huskies will seal the deal. So it would be interesting if they did get that far and then get to the Pac-12 championship and see if they did run into Oregon and make that a uh, win-lose-a-draw type of ordeal. It would be interesting to say the least bit. But um, I will be watching that closely, Mike. I will, just because you said that. Just because you said that, uh, to, to bring the attention there. Cause I, I, I'm rooting for Washington because I can remember all of the years that they had good players. I can remember when <laughs> – Back in the 90s when they beat us being the Hurricanes with Napoleon Kaufman and they came to Miami and broke the streak and I could not stand watching after that. And, but now now that, it, you know, time is going on and, and, and the healing happens uh, to see how Penix's been able to do up there, this is impressive to say the least bit. So I'm watching. I am watching. And, and, and it has been a, a conference of quarterbacks. I'm not going to lie. The Pac-12 is loaded with quarterback talent. And just like Mike said about the uh, – the UCLA-Colorado game, that score was way different than what the game implemented. They're lucky that the kid, the running back, still fumbled like two or three times. <laughs> if he doesn't fumble, that score could have got way out of hand. Chip Kelly had Dion's number real bad. Okay, so Sports City, I've been sitting up here playing around long enough. Uh, the call the number is 929-477-2759. We are in front of week eight in the NFL season. Um, I am in front of a lot of interesting games, and I can't wait to, like, get the prediction from Mike to see how this goes down because um, one of these games has me shaking my head like Vegas is dirty. Vegas is dirty, and this could be a potential trap game, but we're, we'll see. So um, I'm coming to Mr. Harvey first. Mike, the first game we have out here. Are the Los Angeles Rams going to Dallas up against the Cowboys? The Cowboys are favored by seven in Jerry's world. Who do you like in this game and why? I think the Cowboys win this game. Um, you know, the Rams kind of concern me because they're, you know, they got some playmakers on that offense. Um, at the end of the day, Stafford is still prone to make a mistake or two. 
and I'm, I'm still not super impressed with the defense uh, from the Rams. I, for any other reason other than I expect this to be a playoff team, uh, I think this is a game that Dallas has to win, and I think they find a way to today. I agree. Um, Stafford going back home in Texas, I, I find it hard for him to go into that state. Excuse me, that stadium to pull off the win. Um, it, it will be an interesting game. I feel like this could turn into a shootout, but I think, nevertheless, I think Michael Parsons will get home probably about two, three times to get to Stafford uh, and put the pressure on him to make some things happen. Uh, Puka, the receiver, could break an NFL record today if he gets 51 yards receiving, which I feel like Stafford is going to force that issue to happen, and uh, rightfully so. For a receiver in his first eight games, I think it is, to have the most yards ever in the first eight games of his career. And I, I think it happens against Dallas. Uh, the next thing we have are the Minnesota Vikings up against the Green Bay Packers. This is basically a pick em. The Vikings are favored by one, but this is a pick em, basically. Um, and this is tough that I want to go first. Um, I'm going to go with the... Vikings. I'm scared of this. I am so scared of this game because, um, again, the Vikings are playing without Justin Jefferson. But um, the way the Vikings put it together up against the 49ers was interesting enough. The Packers are going to be fighting for a win because they are one of the worst teams in the NFC North at this point in time. If the Vikings could pull this off and keep the Packers in the cellar, would be amazing. So I'm going to go with the Vikings to pull off the upset in Lambeau. Mike, who do you like in this game and why? Vikings or Packers? I'm going to agree with you, actually, and take the Vikings. And the reason why, you know, guys like Jordan Addison, K.J. Osborne, these kind of guys, you know, Kirk Cousins actually looked like a competent quarterback in prime time, which has only happened, like, in three of his, like, 16 appearances or something. Um, They showed a little bit of – they showed a little bit with the pass rush. Shout out to Daniel Hunter, LSU Tiger. Uh, I, I just feel like they got more things figured out right now as far as who they are uh, than the Packers do. So I'll take the Vikings. The next matchup we have are the Atlanta Falcons on the road in Tennessee up against the Titans. The Falcons are favored by two and a half in Nashville. Will Levis is starting. And I remember at the beginning of the season, Sirius and all of them were like, Levis ain't going to play. Well, guess who's playing today? Levis. Uh, Mike, who do you like in this game? Falcons or Titans in an interesting matchup between Ritter and Levis? I'm I'm taking the Falcons on the road only because I think they're part of the Titans kind of selling off guys. I think the overall uh, talent level in this Vikings team is just uh, a little bit more. Now, as soon as I say that, Derrick Henry will go crazy and run for 200 yards, but uh, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna take the Falcons today. This is where we split up, people. I'm going with the Titans. Here's why: Atlanta is not home. Um, and B. John didn't get the ball the last game. It's gonna be interesting to see him try to work back into the offense. And I know there's no problem with him, but them not being in that Georgia Dome makes it difficult. And I want to see if Rabel does put a scheme together to slow down not only B. John but uh, put pressure in that passing game for uh, Ritter to not complete as many passes as they want to. I, I think the Titans pulled this off and give Will Levis his first win of his career. 
The next matchup is an interesting one. I'll go first because I have the resident Saints fan here. The New Orleans Saints at 3-4 and four are going to end the up against the Colts at 3-4. and four. The Saints are favored by two on the road. Michael, don't you let me down. <laughs> I'm going no, I don't know, man. Jonathan Taylor's around too, man. This is tough. I'm I'm going with the Saints though, because Vegas put that little two there on the road. It's funny. That's a funny two points right there. But I'm gonna go with the Saints. Um, I feel like the Colts can do it. They can control the game. The running game could work, but something about Gardner Minshew that I still question. I'm going with the Saints. Mike, your thoughts on your boys up against the Colts in Indianapolis? You know, I don't, I don't really understand why this Saints team keeps getting favored on the road. They were favored in Houston, too. I think they're disappointed. Um, I did pick them to lose last week. You know, coming into this game, all morning long, I had myself I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the Colts. I'm going to take the Colts. I'm going to take the Colts. No, I'm not. I, I just can't. I, I'm probably going to uh, regret this, but – uh, this is a this is a, a must win game for New Orleans. Uh, really, you're either four and four and still kind of right there in that mediocre division race, or you're you're three and five. This team reminds me of the 1999 Dick uh, Saints, who found a way to lose a lot of close games in excruciating ways. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm going to ride with the Saints. I'm going to say they win in the I'm with you today. I am with you today. You better. Not, it ain't your fault, though, but it's this doggone Derek Carr that I've been arguing with you about for the past couple of weeks. I've been telling you about this dude. Um, is there anybody in this kitchen that believes the New England Patriots could go to Miami and knock off the Dolphins? The Dolphins are favored by eight in Hard Rock Cafe. Nope, I do not. I mean, kudos for winning last week. This is a different animal. Uh, they don't win. And, and Jalen Ramsey may be coming coming back today for Miami, too. I he's, saw that he's it, it may happen. On... He's active yeah, today. So, yes, he is. Yeah, no, I, they don't get this done. They, they come back crashing down to earth today. Okay, the next one is the Battle of East Rutherford. The New York Jets. It at three and three up against the two and five New York Giants. The battle of MetLife Stadium. The Jets are favored by three. Who do you like and why? Jets or Giants, Mike? I got. I like the. I like the Jets. I picked the Giants twice this year. They won the two games I picked them in. But I just think this Jets roster overall is more talented. And I think they find a way to win. I think it's going to be an ugly football game. I agree. Ugly, and I'm taking the Jets, too. Um, Tyrod is still playing. That's what makes this game interesting. Tyrod probably can pull this off, but I am going with the Jets. I think the defense could actually make this a tough game for the Giants. Battle of the stadium. This is going to be interesting. They usually don't get this, but every four years. The next matchup is a very interesting one. Uh, the 5-2 and two Jaguars are on the road in Pittsburgh up against the Steelers who sit at 4-2. and two. The Jaguars are favored by 2.5 in Pittsburgh. I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars to win this game. I think uh, 
this is a game that actually gets Trevor Lawrence to prove that he's the real deal up against the Steelers team that's finally found themselves in the middle portion of the season. But I feel like he goes in there and upsets them. Um, it's just something about the Steelers that I'm not confident with yet, even though I do respect everything Tom is able to do. Um, I think the Jaguars are, are ready to take that next step. I'm going with the Jaguars on the road. Mike, who do you like, Jags or Steelers? I actually agree with you. I, you know, I think we've seen some promise from the Steelers over the last couple of weeks. They look a little bit more organized and a little bit better prepared now, and I think having Deontay Johnson back helps. And I think George Pickens could have a good day today. Um, but at the end of the day, listen, this Jacksonville Jaguars team is a legit playoff team, and I I, I agree with you. I, I just – when – especially when – Going in, I'm, I'm going to roll with the better quarterback, and I think Jacksonville wins in Pittsburgh. Moving right along in an NFC East battle, the Philadelphia Eagles take their talents to D.C. up against the Washington Commanders. The Eagles are favored by seven in this game. Do you think the Commanders can get this done and give the Eagles a second loss? after a questionable start against the Jets. Uh, I was reading today that the Eagles, uh, the commanders were waiting on this week's game to see if they're going to make a playoff push or decide to sell off some players. Like, I mean, like uh, a couple of examples I heard were they may trade either Montez Sweat or Chase Young, thinking they can't sign them both anyway. So one of those guys may be traded if this team doesn't win today. Uh, other manners, uh, GMs in football, like if you're looking for pass rush help, go ahead and uh, set your, get your phone ready to call on Monday morning because the Eagles are going to win this game and the commanders are going to make a few trades this week coming up. I agree. I'm going with the Eagles. The last time they played, this was a nail-biter that went to the overtime and the Eagles won by a field goal late in overtime. I'm going with the Eagles to get this done to prove that they are back especially coming off of that loss, that that's, it still has me, like, scratching my head on how they, they let the Jets get them. But we, we will see. We will see. But I'm going Eagles as well. The next matchup is an interesting one, a battle of rookie quarterbacks. Uh, you have C.J. Stroud and the Texans sitting at 3-3, three and three, going up against the Carolina Panthers, who are over 0-6. The Texans are favored by 3.5 in Charlotte. Um, I'll go first on this one. I think the Texans get this. I wanted to, I was saying the Panthers, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to go with the Texans to get this done. I think C.J. Stroud is still on fire and keeps these guys above 500 at this point in time. I'm going with Houston to get this job done. Mike, who do you like in this one, Houston or Carolina? I like Houston. I think they're just a better team. I think Stroud's playing better as well. Um, I mean, I, the only really shining light for Bryce Young and uh, Carolina has really been the play of uh, Adam Thielen so far this year. So <laughs> I, I I think Houston goes in and wins. I think it's an interesting spread, though, because I, I could see it being one of those games that they win by a field goal. So I don't know if I'd really necessarily touch the spread, though, you know, they could walk away with it. I just don't feel that comfortable uh, betting. Uh, more than that, you know, that that hook's interesting there. But I like Houston to win. 
I agree. I agree. I think this could be a field goal type of game, too. And I think the Panthers are going to fight like hell to keep it close or winnable. So that that hook is an interesting uh, itch to the game, shall I say. Okay, so the beginning of the 4 o'clock, Cleveland is on the road up against the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored by four with the 12th man out in the northwest region of the United States. Um, I'll go first on this one. I'm going to go Seahawks on this one. Um, just just the fact that, uh, you know, they're dealing with Jerome Ford and his injury, and you got Deshaun Watson, you know, can't stay in the lineup, and they don't really have the consistency at that offense, but their defense is what's holding them together. I think the Seahawks just have just that much, uh, you know, defensive firepower and offense to go up against that defense. I'm going to Seahawks to get it done at home. Mike, who do you like in this one, Browns or Seahawks? I agree with you. I think if Watson and Ford were both active and healthy and playing at a high level, uh, I might be convinced otherwise because of how nasty that Cleveland defense is. But I think that Geno and company, you know, when Metcalf is out for a little bit, last week he started developing some rapport with the rookie guys, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigger and the other guy as well. So, uh, I, I just think Seattle's got a little bit too much offensively uh, in this game, so I'll take them over Cleveland. But don't uh, count out, you know, the idea of, of Cleveland's defense trying to make it, you know, sort of a, a knockdown, dragout type fight and make Geno really work for it. But Seahawks can win this game. Is there anybody in this kitchen? <laughs> that believe the Broncos could protect their house up against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by seven on the road in Colorado. Chiefs have beaten in sometimes something like 15 or 17 straight, and today's not going to be any different. And watch, I'm watching this close, too. Watch the Broncos make this interesting. If they win, I'm going to be like, Mike, you said that, that number. Because I think it is a 15-game winning streak or something. Like, it's 15 or 16. I, I remember seeing that number the last time they played. But I, Russ, Russ and Peyton got to put this together. I don't know if they can knock this Chiefs team off. I'm, I'm going with the Chiefs as well. Um, another game just like this. Does anybody believe that the Cardinals can protect the toaster up against the Ravens? The Ravens are favored by 10. In Arizona, in which Kyler Murray is back for the Cardinals. I think I just saw today that he's not going to play today, though. He's been practicing. Oh, I'm not sure okay. Play. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, listen, they won this game against Dallas, but, uh, and they, you know, this is an outman roster. They've competed okay, but their their scores have become more and more one-sided, um, and I think it's going to be again today. Uh, Lamar Jackson continues his very impressive run against the NFC. Okay, the next one is an interesting one. The Cincinnati Bengals go into Santa Clara up against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the Bengals are trying to get above 500. The Niners are sitting at 5-2 and two after a two-game losing streak in which the medical staff has cleared Purdy to play. Purdy has cleared protocol for the concussion. He's able to play. Um, with that being said, <laughs> this is a very tough one. This is a very tough game. I'm going to go with the 49ers, but I am watching this closely. I feel like the Bengals can't steal this game. 
I really do feel like they can steal the game, but I'm going to go with the 49ers. I feel like their defense does make this tough for Burrow. Um, I'm wondering if this Debo factor does mean a lot for the San Francisco 49ers with him being out um, and if McCaffrey can keep this streak going, uh, touchdowns consecutive. But I'm going to go with the Niners to get it done. Do we know if Trent Williams is going to play in this game or not for San Francisco? I would have to look at the injury report. I did not check on that. Yeah, I, I haven't seen whether or not he's going to be back. I think San Francisco wins this game. I Listen, I think that Seattle's – I mean, sorry. I think that Cincinnati has been playing a lot better, and I think they're starting to sort of find themselves. And, and to your point, coming off the bye week and preparation, seeing what happened to them a week ago, you know, I, I think Cincinnati has the ability to really – make this game interesting. I think a lot of people are jumping off San Francisco after that after that loss last weekend. This is still a very good football team. Uh, this is a game that I legitimately believe could go either way, though. But um, when in doubt, I, I still think that 49ers roster is probably a little bit more complete and they're at home. So I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm going to take San Francisco. But this is a game that I'm really, really interested to watch in the, in the afternoon window. That is a fact. I will be watching that game for sure. Anybody in this kitchen, and I hate to say it like this because they actually played well, believe the Bears can go into SoFi and knock off the Chargers where the Chargers need to win a game. They both have two wins on the season. The Bears are 2-5. and five, The Chargers are 2-4. and four. The Chargers are favored by 9.5 in this matchup. Do you believe <clears throat> Chicago can steal it? I don't, and I think Tyson Bajan is playing again uh, this week. Uh, you know, his percentages were good, but it was definitely kind of dinking and dunking down the field. Uh, I think that uh, Justin Herbert in this passing game can make enough plays down the field on Chicago. Uh, you know, this is that kind of a game that I lean towards. If you have to take the Chargers in a survival pool where you can only take one team all year, Uh this is a, a spot that I like them in. I just think it's a situation where they even overcome their bad coaching and their, uh, you know, the flawed decision making upstairs. And, and this is a game that they they should be able to win. If they don't, and they go to two and five, miss me with all of that for the rest of the year. I, I 100% agree with everything that you said. And they not only miss me, all of that money that you threw to Justin Herbert, that is on trial. That is on trial up against a Bears team that's trying to find their identity. Um, even though they beat the Raiders, they beat the Raiders. I can't, I can't take that away from them. But they got a backup quarterback. You're gonna tell me he's gonna outshoot Herbert in California? <laughs> There's a lot of questions to be answered. And Stanley, forget the, the heat turning up on that seat. You could just start uh, getting that that cardboard box together and get ready to start removing your items. That, that's what you can start doing if you do lose this game. Um, last but not least. Monday night football, the Las Vegas Raiders take their talents to the Mitten, a.k.a. Michigan, uh, up against the Detroit Lions, in which I am watching this very closely. Sports City, you want to know why? This is the first Monday night football game in Detroit in a while. Detroit has played a total of three uh, primetime games at this point in time. And um, they've been doing well at this point in time. But they are still, (laughs) 
and I repeat, they are still reporting more injuries in the, the off days. Like now Frank Ragnall is out. Like they, they got so many injuries, it's not even funny anymore. So this point spread went from nine and a half to eight. This fell a point and a half. Uh, I'm watching this closely. Um, Vegas, <laughs> I, I know. I know. Um, Mike, your thoughts on this game. Raiders in Detroit up against the Lions. The Lions are favored by eight. I think Jimmy G is supposed to be coming back and playing this <clears throat> this week as well. Uh, for the Raiders, I don't care who plays quarterback for the Raiders. You can put, you can go get Rich Gannon, put him in a time machine. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, this Lions team is is good. Uh, if it wasn't for the Lions in this game, I'd be disappointed. This is a Monday night game. But what what I'm ready to see because this you know Dan Campbell is kind of the, that emotional leader and kind of gets you fired up. Um, after last week's game in Baltimore, uh, this is a bunch of pissed off Lions. And, you know, the first chance they have to take it out on anybody, this happens to be against the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm telling you right now, this game tomorrow night, even with the injuries, this game is going to get ugly. Uh, and, and the Lions are going to curb stomp. The Raiders, or as Steve Austin used to say back in the day, they're going to stump a mud hole in them and walk it dry on Monday Night Football. There's going to be a massacre in the Motor City tomorrow night. I'm worried about this game because Garoppolo comes back out of nowhere after back pains, and Devontae Adams has always gave us hell. Every time the Lions play Devontae, Devontae goes crazy. Hopefully we got the good defense to deal with him. Jerry Jacobs is back in the secondary, so at least we get a cornerback. But I, I feel like um, Garoppolo's going to make this a game. Garoppolo actually fares out well up against the Lions. I remember the first time he tore his ACL uh, in San Francisco with the Niners. It was against the Lions, and he was going crazy against the Lions in that game, and he tore his knee up. But um, this is a game that both teams need. The, the Raiders need this to keep their ship rocking to get them to 500, and the Lions – if they win this game, they are definitely at the top of the NFC with the top-notch teams, and uh, this is in front of everybody, and especially with the the throwback helmets. They're coming out with the, the new throwback helmet that they put together. I, I want to see how, even though I don't feel like the scheme that they put together doesn't look right, but, hey, I got to be all for it at the end of the day. Uh, this, this point spread scares me that it fell a whole point and a half, and they're sitting people out. With Frank Ragnar finished the game, against Baltimore, even though we got killed. Um, There's so many injuries on Detroit that bothers me, but just like Mike said, after a loss like that, they got to come back out there and redeem themselves, or people are still going to look at Detroit like this is the same team from before. Detroit has to prove that they're better than what they used to be, and and I feel like they are, but I feel like this is going to be a tight game. People, get your popcorn ready. A lot of people think this could be a, a massacre, I know Detroit football. <laughs> I know Detroit football. If that thing fell dog on there, two points in the point spread, believe me, Vegas is trying to trip people up money-wise. Believe me. Believe me. If they blow them out, I'm impressed. But I'm, I'm sticking with my dogs. I, I love my team a little too much. But uh, I feel like this is going to be one of those slap my forehead moments, Devontae going crazy, 
if they could stop Devontae and, and uh, Hunter Renfro, I feel like we got a shot because Jacobs has had a tough time getting going in their running game. Uh, Max Crosby comes back home to Michigan, too. This is going to be a very interesting game, people. Please don't oversell the lights that are going on in this game. Okay, Mike, well, we are at the tail end of the show. Thank you for coming out, holding me down as best as we possibly can. Uh, I need a plug, close out, anything that you like to promote as we shut it down here at the brunch. Yeah, real quick, a team that we've often talked about, uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, win a conference game uh, yesterday. Uh, Spencer Rattler got beat up once again <laughs> as well against Texas A&M in a match of unranked games. Uh, listen, college basketball is right around the corner as well. Uh, you saw Kansas ranked uh, high, can, you know, Kentucky, UConn still in the top ten, the normal list of uh, suspects. And then, you know, what's exciting to me is even on the women's side this year, LSU get, gained a couple of transfers to offset that one loss, and Angel Reese and those guys. Uh, you got UConn with Paige. I ain't going to try to say her last name right now. I'm sure you can say it. Uh, and then Caitlin Clark at Iowa. And, and you know, it, it's funny because uh, kind of a roster changeover, but watching her at uh, SEC Media Days, Dawn Staley had this little smile on her face. <laughs> like she knows what she's uh, uh, bringing back as well. So, uh, college basketball on the, on the horizon as well. And, you know, for me, TP, uh, you know, my sport always <clears throat> as well, college wrestling coming back. So it, th- these are the one, these are the couple things that make it easy, uh, make it a little bit easier to get through the rough winters. You mentioned the Vermonts and it's now starting to get cold. We got freezing temperatures uh, up here in the Midwest. So when the wintertime comes around from a boy who grew up in the South, listen, I question every decision I've ever made in my life, but we're gonna uh, <laughs> listen. We're gonna hold on. We're gonna stay strong and enjoy the next days because we got lots of stuff to cook up in this kitchen, week in and week out. We got uh, check out our website, sportscitychefs.com. Check out everything we got going there: blogs, articles, uh, all those different things. Shout out to UTP. Always fun to hold down the time of Sunday morning brunch with you. Check out our shows throughout the week. We got Royce uh, Mondays and Fridays. We got the NFL front office show on Tuesdays. Right now, college cookouts on high ends. We'll find our way back. We got roundtable gumbo on Thursday nights as well. And, of course, the time of Sunday morning brunch on Sundays where we recap the things that have happened for you over the weekend and review it for you and set the table for Sunday and the week ahead. So, uh, you know, this is that fun time of year where, you know, every sport right now, uh, you know, kind of overlapping and a little bit active. So, uh, fun week ahead, TP. It's always fun to uh, share this kitchen with you. I'm going to help get everything uh, picked up on the way out of here, man. And uh, shout out to PHI Apparel. Don't forget, chefs at, uh, use the promo code CHEFS at checkout for that 15% off. And, man, always a pleasure and a privilege. Um, much blessed. Uh, very, very blessed to do this with you, TP. Much love to you. And laissez les bon temps vous l'aimez. Thank you, Mike. For the good and bad in life, I'm going to do the bad first. Um, I do, you know, watch movies, TV, things of that nature. We did lose a good actor. Uh, Matthew Perry passed away at the age of 54. Um, Rest in peace to Matthew Perry, definitely. It it shocked me when I saw it. Um, There's a say the least, but I had to get that out there. And the good is Leilani Armenta, 
is the first female in in HBCU school to score a point in a football game. She kicked three extra points in the football game yesterday for Jackson State. So she just created some history uh, in a D1 game uh, down there at Jackson State. Um, the NBA season is underway. Like I said, it's a big game for me at 3.30. The Thunder go up against the Nuggets. I, I, if the Thunder can knock off the Nuggets today, I'm – Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm going to be going crazy if they could pull this off, but I, I think this is going to be a tough one. A lot of interesting games. Just like Mike said, I can't wait for that niners Bengals game. It's, I remember that Super Bowl in 1988 where John Taylor wins the game with Joe Montana. Just so many memories, and all of these matchups are very interesting for today. I can't wait. Everybody go out there and enjoy your NFL Week 8. Uh, I can't wait to see what the committee has to do with these teams with the top 25. I want to see how far Oklahoma falls. Oklahoma was sixth. They lost to Kansas, and they haven't lost since, Mike says, since 97. Since 97. I want to see what the committee does. I don't know if they make them fall. If they fall past 12, I'm shocked. If they fall past 12, I'm shocked. But I don't think that will happen. I think they'll fall them to, like, Nine, maybe ten, but we'll see. The committee had their hands full on a lot of stuff right now. Hopefully, my boys can get back into this thing. Miami had a hell of a nail biter yesterday up against Virginia. I don't know what the heck is going on, but Tyler Van Dyke, you can sit. As much as I want you to represent Connecticut and go down there in Miami, this guy's turning the ball over left and right. You don't even hear anybody talk about NFL scouts for him to be a quarterback in the league. Tyler Van Dyke is hurting that team, turning the ball over left and right. Put Emory Williams in. I'm tired of it. There, there's, there's no need for him to be turning the ball over at the clip that he's throwing the ball away. Uh, please, if, if you haven't, just watch the highlights of that Miami game and watch the interceptions that Tyler Van Dyke is throwing. Unacceptable. And they still were able to pull that win off yesterday up against Virginia in overtime. Again, back-to-back overtime games for the Hurricanes. Crystal Ball and, and Van Dyke are up to something. <laughs> investigate these two. You got to. You got to. Sports City, I'm going to get us going as best as I possibly can because I can make this personal about these doggone hurricanes, and I would love to. But we got a Sunday to go check our games and enjoy the rest of this weekend. So on that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, chefs, chefs. Sports City, Sports City, chefs, chefs. Sports City, Sports City, chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs. Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room. Cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.